seated, please. Well, good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. I know who's in the house. Have you ever, have you ever had to undergo a lie detector test? You don't have to raise your hands or admit it. <laughs> you can if you want. You know, a lie detector or a polygraph uh, is a machine that is connected to a person that measures their respiration, their um, blood pressure, heart rate, and it determines whether or not, whether or not a person is telling the truth. Um, polygraphs um, have been challenged over their authenticity over the years, and I understand that uh, they are not, uh, the results are not allowed in court uh, as, you know, valid evidence. But growing up, I learned that there were polygraph machines that some of you obviously have used, as well as other types of polygraphs in the world. I learned growing up that there are forms of polygraphs in the shape of um, a carbon unit that's five feet, three inches tall. The polygraph was called Mom. It is scary what moms know. My mom was a walking polygraph. She had three boys and a daughter that she had to keep track of, and she always knew, she always knew if we were telling the truth or not. She would use similar readings. She would look at our breath, our respiration, our eyes. She was every bit as good or better than a machine. She could just look at us and know. On Halloween, my, after my parents' divorce, when I was 13, my best friend Michael Golson and I were going to go out together and do some trick-or-treating, mostly tricking. And I dressed up like a soldier. It was back during the Vietnam War era, and I dressed up like a soldier and had a little green beret and olive drab fatigue pants with the big old cargo pockets. And earlier in the day, Mike Golson and I went to Mr. Ezard's country store on Mount Perrin Road in Atlanta. We bought a couple of dozen eggs. As the cool Atlanta Halloween Eve began to settle over dusk, I went into my room and I got dressed. To make it look truly authentic, I got some of my mom's mascara and put it all over my face, <laughs> looking like camouflage. Before leaving my room, carefully, oh so carefully, loaded up the big pockets in my pants. Mama was in the kitchen doing dishes. She had her back to me as I was walking to the door, and as I walked through the room, I just simply said, I'll see you later, Mama. Mike and I are going to go trick-or-treating. She waved. You, y'all go have a good time. And then after a moment, she paused and she said, wait a minute, honey. Let me give you a kiss goodbye. Even at 11 years old, I was able to look down on my mama. 
physically, she, she looked up at me. I had my hand on the door handle, turned, door slightly ajar, and she gets on her tiptoes and gives me a kiss, smiles, and then vigorously pats down both legs of my pants, <laughs> breaking every single egg in all of those pockets. Two dozen egg yolks going down my legs as she pushed me out the door, waved and said, I know you're not going to do anything I would disapprove of, will you? <laughs> no, ma'am. Closes the door, locks it, and that was it. She was a walking polygraph test. Polygraphs can be machines. Sometimes they're five foot three, feisty, divorced women. And as we hear in our lesson today, there is a polygraph test centuries old that's in the scriptures. David, King David, God's chosen, gives us a polygraph test right here in the Bible. Turn in your Bible to Psalm 26. Psalm 26. Psalm 26 is uh, written by King David, attributed to him. As someone asked me at the other service, they said, I wonder how old David was when he wrote the psalm. I bet he was younger. And I said, I think you're probably right, and you'll see why. This is a plea for justice and a declaration of his righteousness. Hear the word of the Lord. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, probe me, O Lord, and try me. Go ahead, test my heart and mind. Your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in faithfulness to you. I don't sit with the worthless, nor do I consort with the hypocrites. I hate that company of evildoers, and I will not sit with wicked people. I wash my hands in innocence. I go around your altar, O Lord, singing aloud a song of thanksgiving and telling you all your wondrous deeds. O Lord, I love the house in which you dwell, in the place where your glory abides. Don't sweep me away with sinners, nor my life with the bloodthirsty, for those in, those in whose hands are evil devices and whose right hands are full of bribes. But as for me, I walk in my integrity. Redeem me. Be gracious to me. My foot stands on level ground. In the great congregation, I will bless the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, David. Let's unpack this and see how it is an ancient polygraph. Now, the first thing that we notice as we begin to look at Psalm 26 is that this psalm makes David look how? 
pretty good. I mean, David, he is making some very impressive comments about himself and about his relationship to God. I picked up at least a dozen self-ingratiating statements he makes about himself. He says, hey God, I live with integrity. I have never slipped up in trusting you. Now, how many of us can say that, huh? David is so confident in his faith walk, he uses legal language as though he were talking to the judge. And in essence, David is saying, hey, God, probe me. Check out the facts. You'll see what I already know. I've got it perfectly. He brags about directing his life in love and faithfulness. David is proud that he doesn't hang out with those liars, you know, those people, those hypocrites. He brags that he never affiliates and hangs out with immoral people. Those people. He tells God that he is ritualistic, ritualistically pure. He can come into the very presence of God and not worry about it because he is spotlessly clean. David sings songs about how God has done great things for him. David is an enthusiastic worshiper and worships God in the right way. He reminds God how much he loves the tabernacle where God lives. And he asks the Lord for special blessings because he loves the Lord. David, what a guy. Goodness gracious. Who wouldn't love David? Who wouldn't want to be like David? He, he has set the bar. David has set the bar. I want to be like that. Don't you want to be like that? He sounds like one of those prosperity preachers we get on late night TV with the big hair and slick Armani suits. He's that good. His prayer is so full of himself. David paints himself in the psalm as this uber God follower. And that he does everything right in the eyes of the Lord. Oh, if only you and I could be like David. If only you and I could have life like David. If only you and I could walk with integrity like David, injustice like David, if we were righteous like David. If we could sing the right songs and worship and worship God in the right way. If only we could be like David, a man after God's own heart. I mean, what a guy. Now it's important at this point to take a breath. And as we look at this psalm, we need to remind ourselves that David himself didn't fully live up to what he says he did. David did not really live a perfect spiritual life. 
We need to remind ourselves, my friends, that David, who wrote Psalm 26, also wrote Psalm 51. Psalm 51, which is a tragic prayer of confession to God. It's a prayer where David is reminded that he showed laziness in the time of year when kings go to war. He stayed at home and looked at his neighbor's wife. David lusted. He committed adultery. He lied. He gathered accomplices to work with him for a conspiracy to kill somebody. He asked others to enter into the lies he was weaving and sets up the murder of his neighbor. This is the David we meet in scriptures. So which psalm is the right one that paints David? Is it David the man of Psalm 26? Or is David who acknowledges his treachery and brokenness of Psalm 51? The reality is, he's both. David was, David knew he was, as I remind us often, that he is both a saint and a what? Sinner. He knew he was chosen by God as well that he knows he's a broken human being who needed God's love and protection. Psalm 26, my friends, is the psalm that describes a man that David is striving to be. He writes down this hymn of what a life with God should look like for all of us. It's a psalm you and I can use as a centuries-old polygraph holding us accountable to what a dedicated follower of Jesus Christ is like. Each verse in Psalm 26 can be used as a standalone measure of our truthfulness about how well we are walking, living, loving, and serving Christ. This morning, as we have communion, I invite you to keep your Bible open to Psalm 26. And I want you to use it as a way to reflect upon your spiritual walk. Simply ask yourself, am I or do I before each, each verse and use it as a polygraph to test the truthfulness, the validity of your own walk with God. So for example, You would take verse 1 where David says, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in integrity. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Then you stop and you ask yourself, Am I really walking in integrity? 
Do I exhibit trust in God? Or maybe you can go down to verse 4 where, it's, where he says, do I sit with worthless people and consort with hypocrites? Do I? Am I? Am I one of the sinners that is to be swept away? Do I love the house of the Lord? Am I showing love for God's dwelling place? See, Psalm 26 is a beautiful, beautiful way for us to reflect upon the depth and the truthfulness of our walk in Christ. It's hundreds of years old. But like my mama, it reveals the truth. Friends, if you answer yes when you ask yourselves those questions, then honestly reflect on how and why you can say yes to those questions. And if you answer no to those questions, the new Psalm 26 is a prayer of confession and ask the Spirit to reveal how you can live deeper. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so be it. Amen. Pray with me. Almighty loving God, we gather this day. We give you thanks for your servant David. We give you thanks that he was just like us. Lord, we come. We admit that we have fallen short. We often don't walk in integrity. We make shady business deals, questionable relationships. Lord, we strive after things that have no meaning and invest our time and money and energy on that which does not last. Lord, thank you for David. Thank you for this psalm that raises the bar of who we strive to become. But Lord, we can't. We can't do it on our own. It is only through Jesus, His life, His death, His resurrection, His coming again, that we, who were once far off, have been brought close to You, indeed at the very table where You died. Lord, as we continue to worship this morning, we pray that you would separate these common elements, bread and juice, and Lord, that you would let them become the body and blood of Jesus as the Spirit lifts us up into the very presence of the kingdom. And there is Jesus. 
at the table and all of the saints who have gone before. And Lord, we are circling your altar as David did, singing praises to God. And as we eat of this meal together with the saints of heaven, with Jesus at the head, we are brought close. Oh Lord, thank you. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was with his best friends. And he was telling them about what was to happen that later that night. And he takes the bread. And he says, my beloved, this is my body which is broken for each of you. Take and eat all of it. And in a like manner, after dinner, he took the cup of the covenant and he said, my, my, my beloved, this is the new cup of the pr new promise between God and you and all humanity. Paul reminds us that as often as we eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's life, death, and resurrection till he comes again. So my friends, let us eat at the Lord's table.